We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 333 of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. If you hear my voice right now, consider yourself lucky. Not because you're listening to my voice, obviously, but because you're listening to the best Packers podcast out there on the market right now. I'm your host, Zachary Jacobson, and I'm flying solo tonight, I should say. It's Saturday night as I record this, so whatever time it is for you, by the time you listen to this podcast... Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever. I am glad to be filling your ears, filling the airwaves with my nonsensical babbling about a football team based in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Anyways, like I said, I am flying solo tonight. Usually my partner, Jacob Westendorf, uh, we actually recorded our last episode together a couple weeks ago, and I am reverting back to my previous partner before Jacob's time. Uh, in Matub, but he unfortunately was not able to record this weekend, so he left me all alone. He is a horrible partner, and I'm I'm, I'm just kidding, guys. Don't don't harass him on Twitter or anything like that because he'll probably fire back at you with some crazy memes, or he, he he will he will roast you pretty much. He will not let anything slip by, and he'll probably send you some kind of reference that only he will understand. <laughs> but anyways, basically tonight to kind of you know dive into a little bit of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, 
I'm going to kind of break down what the hell has been happening with the Packers' tight end position within the last couple weeks. And I'm going to talk about one of the position groups that I feel like is is probably the deepest on the roster and that I'm not not a lot of people are talking about right now. Obviously, it's June. Not you know Nobody's really talking about anything right now. But throughout this the whole offseason, I feel like this position group in particular has kind of been a little a little downplayed. And I, for the life of me, can't figure out why. Then, after that, I'm going to answer some of your guys' questions. I tweeted out uh, that I'm flying solo tonight. I'm going to answer some of your guys' questions. And I got, I got some good ones. So I'm going to try my very best to get to all of them. Um, obviously, there's not really much of a time constraint. But still, you know, I don't want to overload you guys with a bunch, of, just a bunch of questions and Twitter handles and this and that. So without further ado, let's dive in. The tight end position. What has been happening in Green Bay recently? Packers have been signing guys, have been releasing guys. The guy retired, and you know there's so many tight ends on the roster right now. And in recent years, under the Mike McCarthy, uh, or in the Mike McCarthy era, I should say, the tight end position has been kind of uh, an enigma. These guys have been under, underutilized. I, I'm shocked Jermichael Finley had as much success as he did in Mike McCarthy's offense. We saw Martellus Bennett get brought in in 2017. One year after Jared Cook was brought in as a free agent, he obviously made the very uh, very famous catch in Dallas in the playoffs that year. But Jared Cook, he was gone after a season. Martellus Bennett obviously was a colossal flop. The Packers brought in Lance Kendricks um, 2018 the year of Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. So, really, the Packers have been kind of experimenting with the tight end position every every single year, and I personally am am, am ecstatic that they opted to draft uh, a tight end relatively early this year. They uh, selected Jay Sternberger in the third round of the draft in April, and, you know, he's probably going to be the guy that Aaron Rodgers finishes his career with. He's going to be that go-to tight end that Jermichael Finley once was in, you know, in, in McCarthy's offense. But the thing is, I mean, there's so many tight ends on this roster right now. I'm going to kind of give you a little rundown here. There's Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, as I mentioned the both of them, Sternberger as well. Then you got Robert Tunyon, who flashed last year. He caught that 54-yard pass against the Seahawks in Seattle uh, for a touchdown. Then outside of Tunyon, it kind of gets it, it gets a little choppy. You got uh, for I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Farrell McKeever. He has a very interesting name, and that's kind of one of the things that drew a lot of people to him when the Packers signed him last week. Then you got Evan Bayless. So the Packers right now rolling with six tight ends. Now that's interesting for a variety of reasons. The first reason being. This is not McCarthy's offense anymore. This team is going to be operating under LaFleur's watch. Uh, Matt LaFleur, who uh, replaced Mike McCarthy as the team's new head coach in uh, January, the team's 15th head coach uh, in, in, in the history of the organization. Now, previously in Tennessee, when he was in Atlanta, the Packers loved getting, uh, excuse me, LaFleur's offenses loved getting the tight end involved. You're going to see a lot of similar things with the Packers this year. Now, of course, there's going to be an adjustment period with this new offense. There's going to be a, a period where guys got to get acclimated. They got to get used to things, how things are going to operate. Aaron Rodgers has to figure out you know, who who to trust and you know everything along those lines. 
But in this offense, guys are going to be schemed open. That means it's going to be a big year for Jimmy Graham. And I'm putting that on the record right now. I believe I have multiple times already. But it's going to be a big year for Jimmy Graham. Basically just because he's he's not only he's not the most experienced tight end on the roster. That's obviously Mercedes Lewis. He's he's you know, he's up there in age. He's been in the league since 2006, I believe. But Graham the most seasoned and the most athletic tight end on the roster right now. I don't think you don't count on Jay Sternberger having an impact in year 1, but in this offense in particular, it it's just it's going to be Jimmy Graham written on the walls. He's going to have so many opportunities. And we saw flashes of what he was able to do last season. He had 636 receiving yards and a pair of touchdowns. He was far from the red zone threat that the Packers wanted him to be. I mean, he was pretty much brought in to replace the, the Jordy Nelson as that red zone target for Aaron Rodgers. He fell relatively short of that, or significantly short, I should say. And, and he didn't get very many of those 50-50 balls down the middle, down the seam. You know, there was there were a couple of instances in particular. I remember Rodgers heaved up a couple passes to him, and, and you know, they were incomplete. But this time, you're probably going to see a little bit less of that, and a little more Jimmy Graham being schemed into wide open space. Same thing can be said with the wide receivers. The the way the Packers are going to be operating offensively through this scheme is you're going to see a lot less of those four, five wide looks with receivers just spread out across the foot. Instead, a lot of sets with with two receivers, probably two tight ends. That means Mercedes Lewis is going to be he's going to be set up as well. He's not going to have four catches on the season like he did last year. And I will every time I I think of that and he comes up in conversation, it just it irks me to no end thinking about how criminally underutilized he was uh, in his first season with the Packers. And I think that was a big reason why they they opted to bring him back. They re-signed him this offseason. It was one of the first transactions they made of the offseason. And he's going to have you know a pretty vital role in, in this offense. Mainly because he, he's been a very good blocking tight end through the years. And this offense that the Packers are running, it's, it's predicated on, on a zone blocking scheme. And Pretty much, Mercedes Lewis fits that bill to a T. So having him there, that's going to be huge. Now, don't expect 70% of Aaron Rodgers' passes in 2019 to go to the tight end, whoever that may be. Don't expect that. This isn't what, I, what, what I'm trying to get across. But what I am saying is that these guys are going to be schemed open. They're going to have a lot easier of a time finding open gaps being able to just get into open space. And if you get someone like Jimmy Graham the ball in open space, he can still run. Okay, he, he, he's not he's not some slouch. The guy may be 32 years old, but he, you know, 10th season in the league, but the guy can still run. You just need Jimmy Graham to be that red zone threat that the Packers brought him in for, that red zone threat he was with the Saints, and he caught 10, 10 receiving touchdowns with the Seahawks. He was in double digits right before he came to Green Bay. So... You know, it's a position where I'm telling you, maybe for once, keep your expectations high. Okay. Maybe that's a little premature. It's the first year of a new offense. It's it's the, it's the middle of June. 
but I feel confident telling you to keep your expectations high for the tight end position. And that's just that. But outside of those guys, the Packers, they acquired Michael Roberts off of waivers recently from uh, from the Lions. And very interesting saga with him. Basically, Roberts, a fourth-round pick in 2017 by the Lions, he was shopped to the Patriots for a 2020 conditional seventh-round pick. But that trade was voided just about two days later because he failed his physical. So he was reverted back to the Lions. They released him, and the Packers claimed him on waivers. Now, it didn't take long for them to release him, for the Packers to release him as well, because he failed another physical. So he failed two physicals within the span of a week. Obviously not up up into playing shape right now, but... There's more behind that transaction. It's the fact that the Packers are still looking to upgrade the tight end position. They're still looking to add from outside. So after you know after getting rid of him, don't be surprised if the Packers add another tight end if they still kind of you know wade through that market a little bit. They want competition in training camp. They want to see what they have in Robert Tunyon. They want to see what they have in Evan Bayless. They want to see what they have in Farrell and McKeever. But more competition that just breeds excellence. So that's going to be. Another interesting storyline to watch is whether or not the Packers still kind of rummage through the bargain bin a little bit and look for another guy to bring in for competition. Now, into a, a, another topic. It has to do with blocking. It has to do with the offense. But there's one position group that I feel like just hasn't gotten enough airtime this offseason. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about. And if they are talking about it, they are saying negative things. And I could not agree or disagree more the offensive line I feel like this offensive line group with the Packers right now is going to be very very solid and it's going to surprise a lot of people now obviously you got your your two anchors at tackle with David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga both your two your two tackles right there you have your interior guards of Lane Taylor and right guard presumably Billy Turner he was he was operating with the ones with the starters in minicamp, he has been throughout the offseason. It's likely that he's going to enter the season as the team's starting right guard, barring anything unforeseen. The Packers signed him to a uh, pretty pretty substantial deal uh, in free agency. He was one of the four free agents they picked up uh, alongside Adrian Amos, Zadarius, and Preston Smith. But I'm more so interested in, in the depth of this position group. You, you know, your backup tackle, well, Billy Turner, first of all, he could swing out the tackle in the event that Brian Bulaga has to step out due to injury, which, I mean, he's in his 10th season. He's 30 years old. He, it's been a little while since he's played, a, uh, played and finished a full 16 game season. So, you know, there is the likelihood that the Packers will need to have someone fill in there. And rather than Jason Spriggs, they could have Billy Turner swing out to right tackle. Now, if you're wondering, Who's going to fill in at right guard in his place? The Packers have so many options at interior guard right now that, that I think that's probably like my favorite position group on the offensive line right now. It's the interior. Just because they have Justin McCray, who's shown that he can play starting caliber guard. Justin McCray, they have... Excuse me. They have uh, Cole Madison, who's pretty much entering his rookie season. He stepped away from football last summer. He returned to the Packers this offseason. It's he, he he was one of the, he was our fourth round pick last year. It's technically his rookie season, 
but he's going into his second season if you want to get technical with it. But either way, he's obviously a, an interesting prospect that really nobody has seen what he's been able to do yet. So that's another someone that's someone that could be developed and be a potential starter at right guard or left guard, depending on what goes on with Lane Taylor. Who knows? But outside of those guys, another option is Lucas Patrick, who's also filled in as a backup several times throughout his time at the Packers, and he's done so relatively well. You know, he hasn't. He was never just anemic to blocking guys. He never had really major any issue any major issues that made you go, oh, "Wow, why is this guy in here right now?" You know, similar to how fans reacted when Don Barkley stepped into the game. You know, Lucas Patrick is he's serviceable. I think would be the best word to describe that. And and that's their second round pick, Elton Jenkins, who the Packers obviously really liked. They spent a second round pick on him. They opted to fill out that guard position over a receiver. He fits the zone blocking scheme very well. He's just another he's another athlete that Matt LaFleur is obviously shooting for. Same with Brian Gutekunst. And Gutekunst obviously has this, this tendency of aiming for athletes in the draft. He he showed that in his first draft last year. He showed it this year. Those high-profile athletes, freak of natures, <laughs> freak of nature guys, pretty much. And then you have Adam Pinky, who is pretty much somebody who can fill in at guard and tackle. He made you know made a little bit of noise in the preseason for anybody who's watched his tape. He's shown that he could he could also fill in at various spots. It's just I think this group is so loaded on depth and versatility. I think that that, that has been the theme for the Packers and their offensive line in the last few years, is versatility. Guys that can play various positions along the offensive line. I mean, look at Lane Taylor. I remember in, in 2017 against the Falcons, I believe it was week two, he bounced out to left tackle in place of uh, David Bakhtiari, and he filled in at left tackle pretty damn well. So there's a ton of value in that position group right now, and it's... Very fitting that they have as much depth as they do at interior guard, coming off of a season in which the cupboard was bare. There, they had Justin McCray and Byron Bell rotating in at right guard. Lane Taylor had a rough season, and as a result, that whole offensive line just just struggled. I mean, when you don't have the cohesion of the guy next to you, and you don't have that familiarity, things can fall apart. And I think people don't really. Understand that when it comes to offensive line play. You perform so much better as a unit when you know what to expect from the guy next to you. So when your starting five is consistent and healthy, the entire the entire starting five is just better. They operate better. And one of the biggest things that killed the Packers last season, specifically Aaron Rodgers, was that interior pressure. So I think having as much depth as they do right now at that at that that position specifically on the offensive line, I think that's pretty significant for a guy entering his age thirty six season. He's coming off that that brutal knee injury last year, the the MCL sprain and the the tibial pr- plateau fra- fracture, whatever you want to. It's a crazy medical term, but yeah, I think for for someone that's also playing in a new offense and might be a little gun-shy, might take some time to get adjusted to what they're trying to do offensively, I think that's just the more protection, the better. And I think that's why the Packers prioritized 
taking Elton Jenkins in the second round. You know, someone even though they were wide receivers on the board, they were they you know, I believe I think Greedy Williams was still on the board at that point. He's now a Cleveland Brown, but he was arguably the best cornerback in the class. Packers passed. Packers passed on a lot of guys for Elton Jenkins. So they're obviously expecting big things out of him in his rookie season if he has to start, or even in the future. He could be a, you know, the potential option, the starter at right guard or even left guard. Like I said, who knows what the future of that position is right now or a year down the road. But the Packers had the pieces in place right now, and I think that's what what's important. Yeah, of course, you want to take the future into account. You want to always be looking ahead. But for a team that wants to win now, and they've shown that, given the money they spent in free agency on their defense, on the offensive line and Billy Turner, and how they're pretty much signing guys, drafting guys to fit what Matt LaFleur is trying to do, you also have to take the present into account. So there you have it. My spin on the Packers offensive line that I am I obviously very high on. And I don't know if I'm if I'm the lone wolf on that, but regardless, we're switching gears here. And we're going to get into your questions. This is the fun part. Because this is where all this is where I get to have a little fun as well and give you guys some smart ass answers if I ever have to. But hopefully I don't have to do that. Um I'm going to go with the first question here. The first question is from Seth Lale. Who is the most underrated player on the Packers roster heading into this season? And you can go with so many different answers here. But I'm going to go with one guy I was kind of vouching for earlier in the podcast, and that's Jimmy Graham. I think this is going to be a big year for him. He's healthy. He is is locked in. And in the few interviews that I've seen this offseason that I, I even wrote a story about, he seems locked in on, 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 on what he's going to do in his second season with the Packers. And now he's not playing in an offense that is just horrific for tight ends. But it's tight end friendly. And Jimmy Graham, I think, is going to show a lot of people that he still has a lot left in the tank. And it, it's true. Like I said earlier, he was not the red zone threat that he was expected to be. But you know, for, for as suboptimal as his play was last year, those 636 receiving yards that I mentioned earlier, those were the most by a Packers tight end since Jermichael Finley had 767 seven years ago. So it's been a, it's been a good while since the Packers have really had solid, formidable play at the tight end position. But you know, I, I noticed something. Jimmy Graham seems to really ascend in the second year, whichever team he's playing for. I mean, in his second season with the Saints, the year after he was drafted, he improved by nearly 1,000 receiving yards and six touchdowns. In his second season with the Seattle Seahawks, his numbers jumped by over 300 yards and four touchdowns. So, I, I mean, in his second year with, with the team that he's familiar with, he seems more comfortable and he seems more able, I should say, capable. So, I think Jimmy Graham is... Going to be right now. He's the most underrated player on the Packers roster going into the season, just because so many people are doubting him. So many people want to see Jay Sternberger thrown into the fire, and I don't think that's a good idea for for any rookie. But yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of Jimmy Graham in in 2019. This next question is from Jason Weeks, and he asks, "What are the chances of an undrafted free agent making the final 53?" 
The lineman from Virginia Tech, Nijman, who yeah, he's, he's referring to, Yash Nijman, looks like he could be a nice project. Any other surprises we might see in camp? Well, Jason, when I came out with a very, very, very early roster prediction, I believe it was in May, so last month, I didn't have a single undrafted free agent making the roster just because I feel like this team right now is not loaded, not stacked by any means, but they're they're filled out at various positions. And I can't see an undrafted guy cracking the roster over over some of the guys they have there right now. You know, unless something unexpected happens and you know they 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 cut one of the corners or they cut one of the defensive linemen and they they give way to one of the undrafted free agents they signed after the draft. Who knows? But right now, I don't see room on this roster for an undrafted free agent, which is really it, it's it's a far cry from you know what we've seen during the Ted Thompson era. You know the 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 reliance on undrafted free agents. So you know, and I think if anything, Brian Gutekunst has shown that he is kind of straying away from the whole undrafted free agent kind of bit. He he doesn't he doesn't want to have to rely on those guys. He doesn't want to throw those guys into the fire. He's he's searching through the bargain bin for for mid to low draft picks from other teams who have experience playing in the league. I mean, look at Robert Thomas when the Packers brought him in before he failed his physical, obviously. He was a former fourth-round pick, and he was just out there. The potential was there. Packers could have brought him in. Who knows what they could have developed him into. But it's it's kind of a trend that he's gone with this offseason, Gutekunst has. So, you know, I, I, I just I don't see room on this roster right now for an undrafted free agent. And as for camp, I right now, the only surprises I think you might see are as far as kick return goes, uh, seeing guys like Aaron Jones or maybe uh, Jair Alexander out there on kick returns or maybe punt returns. I mean, Alexander was dynamic at Louisville. He he was just probably one of the best punt returners in football. So, you know, it would seem like... It, it would seem very irresponsible to strip him of that playmaking ability where, where he's very good, where he excels... But at the same time, it can be irresponsible to throw him out there and irresponsible to sacrifice your best cornerback out on out on special teams. So there's both sides of the coin with that argument. I, I, I see both sides. But you know, as of right now, just really guys playing out of position, guys you know filling in at other positions, that's really the only surprises that I see happening you know it's of course it's june right now so who really knows a lot can happen between now and you know the end of july when training camp kicks off but you know as of right now i think it's just everything's gonna be really straightforward we kind of have known what to expect so far with the and what he wants from the guys so you know it, it, it's still gonna be interesting, very interesting to watch next question from well his name is shubs handle is shubm23 sha if Ron Zook gets a head coaching gig in the XFL and the XFL Super Bowl, finger quotes, is Zook's team versus Winston Moss's team, who will you root for and why? That is a very easy question. I would root for Ron Zook just because he's a nice guy. And then some, something just rubbed me the wrong way always with Winston Moss. So that's who I would root for. Um, I almost forgot the XFL was a thing, honestly. But we need something to fill the void that the AFL left in our hearts. That's for sure. Or the AAF. Sorry, not the AFL. Not the Arena Football League. 
Next question from Bill Wesley. Handle is Wesley Bill. Which newcomer on defense will have the biggest impact, rookie or free agent? I'm going to go with the answer that I've given multiple times this offseason. I think Darnell Savage. He was the, the, the second of the Packers' two first-round picks this year in the draft. I just think, okay, we, look, we know the Packers haven't really had that talent at free safety since Nick Collins got injured in 2011. Almost, you know, that was eight years ago. On Clinton Dix came close, but the Packers shot him last year at the trade deadline. They shipped him off to the, to the Washington Redskins in exchange for a fourth-round pick. But still, teams weren't teams didn't hesitate to throw deep against Clinton Dix or against Morgan Burnett, whoever they had back there. The Packers they didn't scare anybody with their safety play, and we saw that more so last year when Kentrell Bryce was back there and and and. Josh Jones was was forced to play in coverage, you know, outside of obviously his better suited spot as a hybrid linebacker where he could play in the teeth of the defense and you know really come down, crash down and tackle guys. But teams were not scared to throw deep. I think having the right free safety back there, a ball hawk, a guy who can roam the field and play that center field position as well as Savage hopefully will. That's significant, and that changes everything that your defense wants to do. And I think he's going to have an impact in year one. I think I said a couple times, actually, out of this entire rookie class, I think Savage has the capability to provide the biggest impact in year one as a rookie. So I hope that answers your question, Bill. Next question from Relax Rogers. That's his handle, and his name is The Real Wheaton. How's your day, Zach? My day was pretty good. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Wow. Wow. Very nice. Uh, I I got home from the gym, and right before I recorded the podcast, or started recording the podcast, I felt I felt sick. I don't know why. I was, like, really hot. I just went and took a cool shower. I, I don't know what was up with me, but I, I feel better now now that I'm starting to talk about football and all that. Obviously, football is the one cure for anything and everything. Next question from Joshua. Handle is stud heart. 22, and a lot of you might know him as the infamous Russ Ball hater, or in other words, the guy who never gives Russ Ball any credit for anything ever. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, by the way. That's just how a lot of people may, may know you, Joshua. Do folks who order simply a lettuce wrap without meat at Five Guys deserve to be kicked out of the country? The answer is yes. Don't get me wrong. Look, look when I go to In-N-Out, I like to get the protein style, which is basically the, the double-double wrapped in, in lettuce. Um, but if I'm going to Five Guys, look, okay, this should kind of debunk all the people who complain about Five Guys being expensive. You're not supposed to go to Five Guys every single damn week of your life, okay? You're, you're going to drain your bank account. Obviously, yeah, they're expensive. You're paying for good food. You're paying for gourmet burgers. So, I mean, of course, you're going to spend a little extra money as opposed to a place like In-N-Out whose menu is so simple and just strategized down to like simple points. You get your hamburger, your double cheeseburger, whatever you want, your fries, and your shake, your drinks. That's pretty much the whole menu. You got to go online and look at the secret menu to figure out if you want something different. So of course they're going to be a little bit cheaper and that's why their lines are always packed. That's why you know any in and out you ever see, it could be two in the morning. They will be packed. Cars will be roped around the building. At least that's how it is over here in California. 
and I, I'm, I'm getting really fired up right now about this. So that's pretty on brand for me. But yes, to answer your question, they do deserve to be kicked out of the country. I would never go to Five Guys and order a, a lettuce wrap. I, I'm there for for a damn burger. Okay, buns, meat, everything. Next question. Actually, it was direct messaged to me. This is from Rob Westerman, three. That's his handle. What do you think this tight end group will look like week one? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I had that the 53-man the roster prediction not too long ago, and um, I'm going to stay true to what I predicted for the tight end position. I think Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, and Robert Tunyon. Are, are your your four tight ends? Or actually, I don't even think I predicted Tanyan. You know what? I don't think I did. I don't think I had Robert Tanyan making the roster. I think I had three guys. Yeah, I had I had Graham, Lewis, and Sternberger. I think they're gonna they're gonna sacrifice one of those roster spots for an extra lineman. Yeah, I think that was my method of thinking. Just because it's the floor's offense, blockers are gonna be crucial. An extra lineman seems to make sense. And Robert Tunyon, he's the new cult hero in Wisconsin. He, you know, he caught that big 54-yard pass that I mentioned earlier in Seattle. And you know, he, he, he's shown very small flashes here and there. Nothing to, stands out that makes you go, wow, look at this guy. He's tight end one. But I just I didn't have him making the roster. Now that I, I, I remember it, I remember not jotting him down. Yeah, I have three guys making, making the position – that's your tight end group week one. That's what I'm rolling with. Graham Lewis Sternberger. And what an opportunity for Jay Sternberger. He, his rookie year, year one, he comes into a tight end room with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. That's like 24 years of combined experience in the NFL between those guys. So, yeah, big opportunity for Sternberger. I think they're going to have all the Packers are going to have all the guys they need at the tight end position. Um, and a lot of the guys they're bringing in right now just for, you know, the camp bodies, I think is really all it is. I think it's just a breed competition. That's that's my spin on that. Next question is from McKenna. Her handle is McKenna15. <laughs> oh, she's also the one who coined uh, Snowfly Zone as a, a nickname for the Packers secondary. So in case anybody thinks that came from somewhere else, you're absolutely wrong. That came from her. I, I know firsthand. Her question is, in the later years, who do you think was the bigger problem, McCarthy or Ted Thompson? Look, I've gone on record of defending Ted Thompson so many times in the past, and I'm going to do it again here. I mean, the guy, his health was obviously declining. It wasn't necessarily his fault that he was still left in charge of some of the football operations. And, you know, we know all about his drafts the last couple of years and how he didn't really reel, reel in complete classes with game-changing players. And, you know, that whole 2015 class is pretty much gone. Well, it is gone, excuse me. That, that, that 2015 class is wiped off the map. But I think McCarthy was probably the, the, bigger, the bigger problem just because of the whole the reported frustration between him and Aaron Rodgers and the complacency and the failure to adapt to the modern NFL and, and um, just all the ISO routes that the Packers would run and just the offense was just stagnant for the last uh, couple of years that McCarthy was there. And a lot of it was just based on Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and, and pulling off the heroics and 
scrambling, and very rarely did Rodgers play within the offense. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest differences that we see with Rodgers on the floor and the offense that the floor is trying to run. He's going to have an opportunity to play within the offense, take what's available to him, less ad-libbing, less backyard, you know, backyard scramble drills. That's going to be probably the biggest difference between what LaFleur is doing and what McCarthy did. So I would say McCarthy is was probably the biggest problem in, in, in the later years. It, it He kind of stunted the Packers' development as, as an offense. Don't get me wrong, he's a great guy, Pittsburgh's finest, and I hope he coaches again in the NFL someday. And, you know, and me especially, I mean, I've defended this guy time and time again from the hordes of Twitter trolls, but I would say that he was definitely the, the bigger problem down the stretch. Next question from Kyle Hoffenbecker. So you, some of you may know him. He is with Cream City Central, and he is a bone-in wing advocate. Wrongly, of course. He asked me, are boneless wings glorified chicken nuggets? I know the answer, by the way. That's part of his question. Kyle, whatever you think the answer is, I can promise you that you're wrong. Boneless wings, I think, have a, a little bit more meat than chicken nuggets. They're more versatile than chicken nuggets. You can chicken nuggets. You have to physically dip them in any sauce you want, and that, it, even then, your sauce selection is limited depending on where you're getting those chicken nuggets from. If it's McDonald's or if it's Chick Fil A or whatever, boneless wings, they are way more versatile in terms of the kinds of sauce that you can use on them. And 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 look, I just think that's wrong. I think that take is lazy. And I think I think you're wrong. And that's that. We're coming up on the 35-minute mark in the show, and we're talking about boneless chicken. Uh, uh, wow, I almost said chicken nuggets. I'm playing. I'm playing right into your palm, like 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 you're playing me like a fiddle, Kyle. God. Next question. <laughs> this is from Jacob Morley, who is also a contributor on the Packaday podcast. He does draft stuff for Cheesehead TVs with Arrowhead Pride. Very cool guy. He asks me. How does it feel to be the second most handsome Packaday host? Second most handsome? Excuse me? Excuse me? There is only one person more handsome than me on this podcast team, and that's that's obviously Jacob, Jacob Westendorf. And, you know, me being a, a solid number two. Number three is obviously Matub, whose question I'm, I'm going to get to in a minute. It's obviously my tub, so I, you know I, I don't even think you cracked the top three, Jake. I'm, look, I'm sorry, man. That's just that's just how the cookie crumbles, man. That's how it rolls. I am sorry, but that that's the truth. Anyways, Matub, his question: If Matub wasn't in a car right now and could record, who he was supposed to record with me tonight? Let's just get that out in the air again. Uh, I'm definitely not upset or anything. <laughs> If Matub wasn't in a car right now and could record, what do you think he'd say about that fan-sided Chiefs writer who said Mahomes is a better version of Favre? Which, if some of you missed that and don't get the reference, it was a, a fan-sided writer who quoted a, uh, a tweet about Brett Favre highlights, and he said, The Chiefs have a bigger, more athletic Brett Favre. He is 23. He is so far great off the field and a great teammate, something that didn't always describe Favre. He has an even bigger arm, and he has proven he can play within structure. What a gift. And obviously he was talking about Patrick Mahomes. Basically every single thing in, in that that madness of a, of a tweet 
whatever you want to call it, was wrong. So if Matump was here right now on this podcast, I think he would comprehensively break down every single last thing, which I can't physically do right now or verbally because we're coming up on 38 minutes very shortly. And this podcast is running pretty long. I'm pretty much combining two Pack-A-Day podcast episodes into one. I'm just sitting here rambling about football and answering your guys' questions. So if Matub was here, I think he would give you guys probably the, the best possible breakdown for how wrong, how hilarious that tweet is. And we would all be better people for it. Unfortunately, he's not. So I'm going to go to the next question. This is from Noah Thomas. Do you think the Packers should have just hired Donald Driver's number? No. I don't think that. Because if you retire number 80, you got to retire some you know, some, some of the other guys. The guys like Antonio Freeman. You know, you got to uh, retire guys number like... No, no well, nobody's going to... Oh, yeah. You might have to talk about retiring 87 for Jordy Nelson. Just because he was, he was the fan favorite throughout his time in Green Bay. He spent, you know, spent so much time with the Packers those 10 seasons. And, and, you know, people may want his number retired. Who knows? But I think if you do it for one guy, then you got to do it for the next guy who was arguably better at his position and better for the organization. Now, I'm not going to get into a whole wide receiver breakdown right now, but just Keep it short and sweet. No, I don't think they should retire his number. I think that's just that's preserved for reserved, excuse me, for the best of the best in team history. That's why the guys that have their numbers retired right now for the Packers, that's why they're retired, because they were the best of the best. I'm gonna answer one more question here. This is from Jacob Westendorf, my ex-partner. Well, I'll always consider him my partner, but he asks, what is the meaning of life? Wow. I guess we're going we're gonna to end the podcast on a very spiritual note here. The meaning of life is Aaron Rodgers heaving deep 50-50 balls, 60 yards down the field, jump balls to Michael Clark. I'm going to pretend that he never retired and he's still playing football. He's still with the Green Bay Packers. He is in contention for the the second wide receiver position on the roster, and everything is okay. Everything is okay. Nothing, nothing's wrong. He's still, he's still playing. He didn't retire so spontaneously from football, and, you know, I, he didn't break my heart or anything. But that is the meaning of life. Aaron Rodgers to Michael Clark, that's, that, that's it. That's all that, that this guy needs to be happy. Of course, everyone has their own definitions for what the meaning of life is, but... That's mine, and I can find solace in that. So anyways, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this pretty long episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Make sure you review, rate the show uh, on iTunes, and we will catch you tomorrow. The, or, yeah, the next day. the next. I mean, this is a podcast every single day of the year. That is why we have 333 episodes. We've been doing this for a very long time. We've been doing this almost for a year, actually. I believe we started in August of last year with, with this with this long-running series. So with that being said, thank you guys once again for tuning in, and I enjoyed answering your questions. Thank you for sending me your questions. Uh, hopefully next time you hear my voice, I won't be running solo. I'll have Matub, not by my side, but 
across across uh, the airwave. Once again, thank you guys, and I guess I guess I'll say it since everyone says it to close out the show. Go pack, go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.